0: Here I go again. Old boys, old It's just my place for security. A place I call like you and me. Here I go. Hello everybody
1: and welcome again. back to the Patrick Lally Show podcast. We are recording live here in the best little city in America, downtown at the Full Circle Book Co-op, 123 West 10th Street, You're libertarian I always mess this up, but it's your conservative communist libertarian left-leaning bookstore and cafe uh, here in beautiful downtown Sioux Falls, 123 West 10th Street. The good people here at Full Circle Book Co-op are kind enough to let us record this podcast in front of a mostly live audience, as it turns out, (laughs) as we we get ready for uh, city council bingo. Most Tuesday nights when there's city council, what's today? There's no city council tonight. We're too deep into the month, so... We don't have the we don't have the uh, the bingo players here tonight, but mm. we will we will suffer through regardless. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, we're going to have a great show for you today. I've got a, a few guests for you. Um, uh, first of all, you know I got to remember to plug my sponsor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: my sponsor. Of course, this is a sponsored podcast, people. This is no downstream operation. That's uh, Northview Bait and Tackle is our sponsor of this program. Uh, Northview Bait and Tackle is your home for. Uh, live bait dead tackle propane propane accessories u-haul self-storage and high-end dog and cat food that's northview bait and tackle on north Qantas avenue just south of russell street so uh yeah there we have another we have another sponsor i think i can say it now we, we we're just sort of getting everything coming together but uh uh, uh it's uh, little red barn salsa little red barn salsa i'll be talking more about them in the coming weeks uh fully organic salsa prepared right on site at the uh, Good Earth Farm near Lennox. So we thank those good people. That is some fine, fine salsa. Um, my first guess, uh, I guess gotta, I gotta we're going to have uh, Brent Thompson up later uh, from East River Legal. But first, I want to talk with uh, uh, Lisa Verdeen and Clay Austin. They're here uh, because uh, we're all working on this project. Full disclosure, I'm working on it, too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I say working on it, I show up, and <laughs> other people do the work. But it's it's Winter Carnival starting this weekend. It is Lisa. Yes. And for the first time, right? This is the first year, second, second year. Second. Oh, you year. did have the races last year, did you?
2: We didn't have we didn't have fat bike races. So this is the first second year, year of, of
1: Winter Carnival. Second year, first of year Carnival. that we've yep. had fat bike races. Yep. First year that I've been involved, yes. and first year my other guest Clay Austin. This is your first year for being involved, right? With the yes, yeah. Absolutely. So Clay Austin, I, Lisa is the marketing director for the Girls and, uh, Boys and Girls Club yes. of the Sioux Empire, which is the uh, the sponsor of Winter Carnival. And Clay is the treasurer for uh, F.A.S.T., Falls Area Single Track, which is uh, 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 brokering and getting involved in orga- organizing this race series that we're going to have coming up, beginning on Saturday. And, uh, uh, but it's all part of Winter Carnival, and the proceeds go to Boys and Girls Club.
2: Yeah, which is pretty awesome.
1: So, Lisa, first of all, tell us what the Winter Carnival, where where did this come from all of a sudden?
2: Right. Um, (laughs) Well, last year, Downtown Sioux Falls put a grant out, um, and they were looking for people to come up with um, an event of some sort for the cold uh, winter months of either January or February to get people out of their house when we all love to hibernate. So, we we thought about it. And I used to live in St. Paul, um, as did Clay. And St. Paul has a great winter carnival. Yep. Um, Amazing. It's been going on for over 100 years and the whole city gets involved and it's just a good time. And Sioux Falls has a lot of that that same vibe um, and vibrance. And we thought it'd be a great idea to do a winter carnival here.
1: Yeah, no fear, baby, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) Probably should have had slightly more fear uh, going in. But um, so we submitted the grant and Uh, downtown Sioux Falls was happy to give it to us um, and then then we actually had to do it um, and we were happy we did and we got the grant again this year and it's just grown and and we're excited to to add more things like the fat bike race
1: now there's a ton of stuff starts this Saturday
2: right it starts this Saturday so it's February 1 through 9
1: That's a long festival
2: it is yeah that's Again, like... hindsight could have been shorter. But, um, but we really like having two Saturdays in there to yep. get people out and about. Um, and it gives us a, a great, you know, one Saturday could be rough on weather and the next could be great. And that's how we run things here in South Dakota. We so, slide through it. It's going to yeah. be fine. Um, it's going to be it, beautiful. It this looks Saturday. like it's going to be gorgeous. Um, so I think it's going to be amazing. We're starting uh, with the Fat Bike Race out at Great Bear. Um, we have a family snow fest happening over at Spellerberg. We're doing Frosty Fitness and Fawick um, as well.
1: Frosty Fitness Frosty Fawick. Fitness, <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of, it's
2: a lot of Fs. Um, yeah, cool. so. Uh, but it's,
1: there's a ton of activities, Tons right? of activities, yes. And you've got a, a website where people can get all that we stuff. We
2: do, yes. It's sfwintercarnival.com.
1: And uh, you've got the full schedule up there. But we do. Um, now the, the fat bike part of this is new. What made you decide to do this?
2: Um, well, I know Clay. And that ah, that's was a this, super.
1: Now it's all coming for a cycle for me. It is.
2: But, um, you know, what, we, what we've looked at with Winter Carnival is trying to get lots of different groups of people involved. Um, and not everybody's going to be into every event, but we sure hope that we found an event that everybody could be into. Yeah. Um, and fat biking is great. They're, Sioux Falls has a great biking community, and um, there's no reason to not add something like that and get people outside. So. Yeah,
1: and so, mm-hmm. Clay, we're actually going to have three races to yeah. benefit. Yeah, make a whole uh, series out of it. Yeah, so tell me,
3: uh, the, this Saturday is a Great Bear, which people are thrilled about. Yeah, we don't very often get access to Great Bear. So we went decided to go big and try and get the ask. We thought we'd get more racers involved just as being excited to go ride at Great Bear. So the first race is going to be at Great Bear. The next two are going to be at Tuttle Park, um, the 8th and the 15th. Mm-hmm so three
1: consecutive saturdays yeah three
3: consecutive saturdays um the idea for the series came from patrick's work on the dirt bike and cyclocross and gravel races they've been doing the rest of the year yeah
1: not not just me the whole uh sioux
3: falls uh bike bike racing racing series uh which is a lot of different people but this part of it is just awesome yeah exactly we just we enjoy having activities in the winter there's a vibrant community in sioux falls the racing atmosphere is fun i mean you don't have to be super competitive or very like overly strong to come out to the race. It's a low key event that's Yeah,
1: really in fun. fact so, in fact on Saturday terrain. at the, for the winter carnival, yep. There's a fun ride and then the race. Yeah, exactly. So, so if
3: it's if the fat biking is kinda new to you or just the racing environment's kind of you there's a very low key, shorter race that'll be on less challenging terrain. Then if you've been doing this for a while at nine thirty, we kind of have a, a bigger race that's gonna be longer with more hills so yeah so the the, the uh, fun ride kicks off at eight which is a little early yeah it's a little early but, but that's okay yeah man that's just because great bear wants us off the main hill by eight forty five. So. yeah because a lot of activities going on
1: right there they so do. it's still going to be cool um, and the, the the cool thing about the fun ride is it's going to happen right down by the chalet. Yeah,
3: exactly. So if you have anybody who wants to come watch or you just want to observe, you can sit on the nice deck Great Bear has that out there and yep. heckle heckle and enjoy the show. Heckling's so. fine in this it's, atmosphere. Yeah,
1: absolutely. If, if you've uh, ever been to a cross race. Yeah, that's right. It's, a like, it's like cyclocross in the winter on bigger bikes. Yep. Um, but the, the race at 930 mm-hmm. could be quite the challenge.
3: Yes, it could be. So there is some large quite large hills and some quite steep descents so Mm -hmm. it'll be fun I mean it's snow snow, exactly it doesn't hurt that bad Uh, and if you're a fat biker you already know these things yeah exactly you're pretty familiar with crashing just
1: you know if you're not just come out and hang out with us that'd be great then the next two Saturdays uh, are at Tuthill which the second Saturday is still winter carnival because that thing is still going on that's right so that's the last day of Winter Carnival. But then we have one on the 15th absolutely. as well, just to make it a series. Yes,
3: absolutely. So all the proceeds are going to the Boys and Girls Club, yep. too. Yep, so.
1: absolutely. And so it's a great cause. And uh, you can register for those races in advance right now uh, by going to bikereg.com. Bike reg. I always say reg because R-E-B-I. I say reg, too. It's B-I-K-E-R-E-G. Right. But really, it's short for registration. So right. people say reg, bikereg.com. Right and just you'll find it on there or follow us on facebook and you can register day of too right yep you can just come on out and give us your money it doesn't cost any more um it is a usa cycling certified event so if you're not a annual license holder um you will need a one day but that's easy Mm -hmm. and uh, um just come and talk to us we'll take care of you and remember the money goes to Boys and Girls Club. Yep, absolutely.
3: And so, the, the trails at Tut Hill are riding amazing right now. We've yep. been grooming them when we can at night, and they're just packed in really great. So, so it'll be a fun event.
1: Let's just uh, talk just briefly about fast and Tut Hill because mm-hmm. this has been uh, a, like a, a watershed year up at Tut, Tut Hill in the winter, right?
3: It is. I mean, we haven't officially opened Tut Hill. There's still some work to be done with some signage and uh, control measures, and there's more trail work that we got to lay in there yet. So yep. we hope to do a grand opening. This year, yeah,
1: but it's been riding on it. We had mountain bike races there last year. Yep. We're going to have them this year. We'll talk more about that. Down the amount the road. of traffic
3: it sees is remarkable. Actually, yep.
1: hikers, runners, yep. uh, everything—it's awesome. Yep. Um, but tell us just briefly about the big vision of Fast,
3: uh, because you've come a long way in the last few years, but you got you got a big vision. Yep. So we have a, a stretch goal of twenty-five miles of single track in the Sioux Falls area by twenty twenty-five, and we're at what? And we're at what we're seven or eight. Yeah, you know, and that we actually had a setback this year with all the flooding. Cause we have a mile and a half down by Yankton Trail. Yep. And as you probably observed, that was underwater for about eight weeks yep. this summer. Yep. It got so, trashed. Yeah. So we got to decide if we're going to continue to invest labor and money into maintaining that, if it's just going to flood half the summer, or yep. we move somewhere else. So. Right. The city has been a big supporter of ours and helping us find access and places we can go. So,
1: and it should be said, uh, Fast is a is a five hundred one c three, yep, just like Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. But it, uh, um, you guys have raised all this money by yourself without. There's no public money
3: involved, really. No, no. I mean, the city has given us the access to the land, yep, and been helpful. As a, they've just been super great partners. Um, but yeah, we last year was a big year for us to raise money. We went from. Raising about fifteen hundred dollars a year to a very large sum last year. <laughs>
1: it was a You had you got some uh, great uh, corporate donations. We did a but lot, lot of, of small ones.
3: A lot of private donations. People really stepped up, and that was an impressive and a big. Um, it's a lot of motivation for the fast board to like really continue to do more work. So cause yeah, it's awesome. The desire is there in the city. So
1: um, and uh, should be said fast. Falls area single track. Mm-hmm. Follow them on Facebook. You guys got a website, too, don't you? We do. Yep. FallsAreasingletrack.org. And uh, Boys and Girls Club, Winter Carnival. Yes. SFWinterCarnival.com, right? But Correct. you also have a yes. Facebook situation, right?
2: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. just a yeah. whole thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so Winter Carnival. Yep. Get involved. There's so if, you, if Regardless of the fabric, yeah, we want you to come and race. But go out and do something with uh, Winter Carnival. We didn't even talk about the concert and the, the mm-hmm. beer festival that's the, yeah. the, on February 8th
2: yes so February 8th we're going to be down at 8th and Railroad um, and it's really kind of taking that summer uh, block party mm-hmm. that's always happening and ha- making it happen in the winter because why not and you'll be in um, a heated tent though. yeah no we pump heat in because we're not completely crazy <laughs> um, but it's a giant tent and uh, we will have music down there but not um, just music not just music this year we and this is new this year we're doing um, a craft brew fest so we're yep. doing brew fest and winter games um, and winter games are yard games in, in big s- form in so we're doing large beer pong and yeah. um, all of those things are happening uh, and it's six um, great local craft brewers coming
1: and, and the mm-hmm. great local bands
2: great local bands yes um, uh, yeah so we're gonna have denim down there denim, yep. um, the Tenenbaums, and and okay parade with Wes yep. Eisenhower
1: yep. yep so that'll be great mm-hmm. you have to yeah it's it's uh, it's the second iteration. No, it's like the eighth iteration of Wes Eisenhower's yes. Uh, yeah. uh, expression. Yes. Yeah. Uh, expression. Yes. So that'll be a great show.
2: <laughs> yeah, he came out last year with OK Parade when they um, kind of first got going, and yeah. and so we're excited to have him back. Yeah, if
1: people yeah. don't know Wes Eisenhower is Soul Crate music. Correct. So, yes. And uh, and he is uh, so it's a it's a great uh, act. It'll be a huge event. Mm-hmm. Also, if mm-hmm. you if you uh, uh, sign up for a that bike race mm-hmm. you get entry
2: entry to Brewfest, yes there
1: you go people so
2: free entry and it's four hours of unlimited tasting um which is pretty fantastic uh, so you come and do yeah. the,
1: the, the we should say the Tud hill races the 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 second and third race are at noon mm-hmm. so you come you race you hang out yeah. then you go right down to the beer fest when yes start? and
2: Brewfest starts at two 2 to 6, perfect. so it's perfect timing. You can ride
1: your fat bike. It's not yeah. that far. You
2: can ride your fat bike, and then you can ice skate on the pop-up ice rink that we're putting oh, up man. today okay. down there.
1: So, so that'll be up all week?
2: It will, yeah, the 1st through the ninth, and it's, uh, we shipped it in from Switzerland, so there's no real ice involved. It's Gleiss. It's a synthetic ice rink. Get uh, out. Yeah. Yeah. You can skate on it all year. I think we might break it out for Riverfest. We'll see. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. in the summer. Mm-hmm.
1: I, this is getting better all the time. Yeah. That's a great idea to do it in the summer. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Verdeen, she's a marketing director for the Boys and Girls Club of Sioux Falls. They're excellent people. And Clay Austin, he's the treasurer for Fast, That's Falls Area Single Track. Uh, guys, thanks a lot for being here. Yeah, thanks, thank Pat. you. We're going to come right back after this short interlude from my man Rich Show, soon to be inducted into the South Dakota Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll be back talking about... The census and uh, Easter East River Legal stay tuned, people you're gonna Thank you to uh, my good friend Rich Show for that musical interlude. Uh, Rich, of course, being inducted into the South Dakota Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think it's this summer sometime. I don't know. But uh, he's great, and we thank him for the use of his music, uh, and uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, My guest now in the second segment is Brent Thompson. He's the executive director of East River Legal Services. And uh, uh, Brent, thanks for being here, man.
4: Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: So, uh, Brent first of all, um, you're fairly new to Sioux Falls. Uh, How how did you end up here?
4: Yeah, I've been in Sioux Falls. Uh, My family and I moved here about three and a half, four years ago. Um, Came here to kind of help move legal services along in the eastern half of the state. So the East River Board brought me in um, to kind of take a look at uh, the delivery of services and kind of bring um legal aid into the into the future or, or the present i should say i yeah. uh, don't want to set too high of a goal there um <laughs> and you know we're just about furthering uh access to justice for for the community and uh, those members of our community who need assistance
1: so what does that mean access to justice
4: uh, access to justice is the belief that everyone regardless of um regardless of their income regardless of their race regardless of their gender regardless of anything uh, have equal access to our courts so the cornerstone of america is that justice is blind you know in this day and age that becomes less and less true so our mission is to is to correct that so we provide free legal services um as well as a broad array of information and uh, resources to help clients um access the court system and represent themselves or have us represent them so they can they can uh, exercise their rights
1: yeah so we're going to uh talk a little bit about the census uh later but uh Because it's a it's a big deal, and I think it's a huge deal. Kind of kind of crept up on me here. It's a census time. I think it's kind of creeping up on everybody. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. that's right. Every time, ten years. Uh, (laughs) Who knew? Um, So, uh, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want to um, just discuss a little bit. um, As you said, uh, the the board brought you here to run Mm -hmm. East River River Legal Services. Uh, How did you end up uh, as a lawyer working in this particular area. Tell tell me about yourself
4: and oh, what sure. motivates you to do this. Well, I grew up in uh Mandan, North Dakota. Oh uh, my god. Man. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you from up north where it's, <laughs> where it's really cold. Yeah, <laughs> <great>. <laughs> like uh, um you know, I grew up uh you know, I grew up poor. You know, I grew up uh really poor. Um you know, single mother uh, in this late 70s early 80s. Um you know, I think many of us you know recall the the economic climate of those times and the you know, um the resources out there for people were pretty thin, especially in North Dakota. Yeah, rural America. Rural America, definitely, definitely. So um you know, that's always been kind of ingrained in me. Um, you know, uh so it's always been kinda with me through as I've as I've grown into an adult and went to law school and just um started, you know, with the idea this is the type of work I wanna do. You know, public policy, making a change. Um went to law school with that uh idea, did a lot of legal aid work in college, um, which transitioned into working for legal aid uh, for mid-Minnesota legal assistance in uh, central Minnesota and the suburban areas of uh, the uh, Twin Cities area. Where, did you go
1: to college in Twin Cities? Where'd you go?
4: And then I went all over. I started at the University of Vermont, um, oh! and yeah, which was a very expensive law school, so been, <laughs> that didn't last long. Um, and then ended up back at the University of North Dakota, but also did a stint in uh, Norway, and I did a semester abroad. So. Oh, wow. But ultimately my degree is from the University of North Dakota, but I did a lot of, I took advantage of a lot of opportunities, I did a lot of traveling, so I got a broad range of experiences. Boy from the high plains saw the world in those three years.
1: <laughs> I, I, I spent uh, half my life one year in, in Grand Forks. It's, it's tough living. Oh, yeah, yeah.
4: My first year at Grand Forks, that was when we had the, the amazing blizzard where we had a flood, a blizzard, and a fire all in one day. I was that was my introduction to Grand Forks. So oh, good times. Knew it was going to be a long, long road to home. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that
1: was great. Um, yeah. So uh, you end up in working in legal aid. Um, what, what was your first job out of college
4: then well, my first job out of law school i worked for a judge up in the, the duluth two harbors area i was a law clerk for two years cool. um which was a great experience in a beautiful part of the country mm-hmm. um and then after that I, I, I was offered a position with legal aid and i started legal aid um i was doing work with the um the the bands um in, in south dakota we call them tribes in mm-hmm. minnesota we call them bands um i was a band lawyer did have me representing tribal members in civil matters um and then that led, led me surely into doing social security uh appeals and then um, domestic violence claims. Uh, And by the time, you know, I spent uh, 14 years with MMLA, so by the time I was all said and done, I I had a wide experience level. I pretty much did it all from anything civil you could possibly imagine. Um, And kind of through the network, through the the legal aid world, we heard about a a position here, and it was a great opportunity and, you know, a a job that needed to be done. So, um, you know, I wanted to come here and use my skills and expertise in this area to kind of help advance East River and move us along which I'm proud to say we've made some great accomplishments in the in the time I've been here.
1: So you've been here almost 4 years um, the what area does East River legal cover? Is it all of everything, you know, once the bank of the Missouri River starts? You that's you I mean, the or river, what does it cover?
4: <laughs> the river is a good measure but it's not quite okay, accurate. Good. <laughs> um we do the eastern 33 most counties. So Still a um, big swath. A huge swath. 48,000 square miles. So, I mean, a huge service area. And most of the people. And most of the people, correct. And I have—you gotta remember—I have got to remember, I have five attorneys working for me. Oh, so wow. that is quite an area of land to cover. You know, it kind of shows you the available legal resources out there mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, the, the demand. You know, within that area, we have 30, to 40,000 people living below poverty. 18,000 of them are children. Um, you know, these are people living below the federal poverty level, which is... I think for uh, the new poverty levels just came out, so you're gonna have to excuse me. It literally came out today, so oh, I don't know really? today. But you know, a family of four making less than twenty-six thousand dollars a year is below the poverty level. I mean, that's that's well below the poverty level. I don't I don't know if that's livable in this day and age. No, so, if you
1: imagine, I mean, somebody making fifteen dollars an hour makes thirty grand. If you're if you're feeding four people in that, you're not. In and that then and
4: a rent and daycare, and yeah. it'd be, it's impossible. It's impossible. So let alone having to pay an attorney to handle you know, a simple legal matter like a divorce or just be with a landlord. It's, you know, it's, it's really challenging out there. So,
1: What is the the, the most frequent um, uh, issue that you face? I mean, what what is it that, that people are coming to you for?
4: Well, the biggest thing we see is family law matters. I mean, we only represent people in family law matters where there's someone at risk. So for your attorney, you know, there's something bad happening to you or your family. So we see cases of domestic violence, um, neglect of children, um, some kind of crime being committed, you know, drug use, exploitation, things like that. So, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we just don't have the resources to take, you know, there has to be some kind of SIP. We just don't have the resources to take everybody that walks in the door. So, but family law is by far...
1: So those um, cases involve what? When you say somebody at risk, what
3: what are we
4: talking about? So domestic, again, domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking, stalking, abuse to children. Um, And that we do, we try to do everything we possibly can from changes of custody, divorces... Um, In some cases, even adoption, Mm -hmm. um, you know, termination of parental rights. Um, This is not
1: standard uh, family, not that there's a standard family law, but that's a, you know, you're dealing with situations that are
0: uh,
4: pretty serious. Very serious. I mean, my attorneys, you know, that's that's just what they do. You know, again, we can't, you know, we'd love to be able to help everyone we can, but we just can't. So it's, we've kind of made it like an emergency room. You know, the most serious cases go first, you know, so... It can be quite an intense workload, you know. We see children and victims every day with, you know, subject to horrible abuse. We hear yeah. horrible things, and this is happening right next door, you know. I right. mean, to to your you and your loved ones, you don't even know about it, you know. So um, the demand is huge. Um, but a close second, a really close, I mean, coming up fast and strong is housing issues, especially yeah. landlord-tenant. I mean, Sioux Falls is under a pretty serious housing crisis as far mm-hmm. as the affordable housing for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just seeing more and more issues with that so it's like how does that
1: manifest people getting kicked out uh, or not renting because you're a, a minority or or whatever i mean
4: i mean all sorts of reasons i yeah. mean again simple non-payment of rent um to you know to, you're right, discrimination to um you know landlords not making repairs you mm-hmm. know and again there's a lot of entitlement going on you know i don't need to make this repair because i'll know someone will come along and rent it if you don't want to rent here right you know um, we also see just a lot of landlords who, you know, are in the right, we'll be frank, and they're in the right when they're within their legal rights. They just mm-hmm. don't follow the process because, one, they don't want to pay the court fees. They want to pay an attorney. They just want it over with, you know. So um, a lot of times it's just us ensuring the landlord is doing the right thing. Um, you know, but, I mean, again, it covers all areas. You know, even government housing, you know, making sure someone's keeping their Section 8 voucher, mm-hmm. making sure that... Um, you know, if it's subsidized housing, they're following the federal laws related to that subsidized housing. Because if you're
1: get, if you're taking Section Eight money as a landlord, there's a higher standard for inspection, for 100%. quality. I mean, it's a different game, right. but you have a guaranteed income.
4: Hundred percent, right? And you know, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of landlords take advantage of that. You know, mm-hmm. that this is a client community that necessarily you know isn't educated in you know what Section Eight is, and then the full area behind it. So we we, we do see on an, unfortunately a regular basis, you know, landlords taking a certain amount from the voucher, telling the, the client that rents this much and, you know, making money on both ends of that, you know, burning the candle at both ends, I guess, to borrow that's and fraud. And that That's That person can go to jail. That is 100% fraud, and that person should go to jail, correct. And How so often we, do you run across that? I, uh, you know, I wish I had some hard numbers for anybody, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would say easily two, three, four times a month. We'll, so we'll, see, really? like, we'll see a lot of that. That's, long per, that's uh,
1: higher than I would have been, imagined just because of it is a criminal risk.
4: Correct. Right? Correct.
1: You're you're a landlord, um, and you're taking federal money. You're going to get some scrutiny.
4: You're sure. You're so going to get caught. Sure. And so many times, it's the burden of proof. You know, like I mean, the, yeah. unfortunately, clients come to us too late. Mm-hmm. You know, they're already out of the apartment, and then they're realizing this, or, um, you know, they they, you know, signed an agreement that they shouldn't have because they didn't read it. You know, and that's I mean, unfortunately we see that a lot. Yeah. You know, um, again, you know, people need a big part of what we do is try to be proactive too. Not only do we provide direct representation in a lot of these matters, but we've created a lot of resources both online and through educational events to help educate the public. Mm-hmm. I would much rather uh, empower people to represent themselves and educate themselves so they don't even have to involve the court system, which just helps everybody. Mm-hmm. So to that end, we've created sdlawhelp.org. Um, it's a very new website, so they've been around for about a year and a half, already doing great acclaim we've had over 60,000 unique visitors say it again we've had over 60,000 unique visitors at sdlawhelp.org
1: sdlawhelp.org all
4: right we're super proud of this website again i think that shows you the need out there um through this website um it's an east river initiative but um you can apply for um, for our services but not only us you can apply for services directly through the uh, state's access to justice program mm-hmm. which is the state bar pro bono uh, uh, judicare program and pro bono program and then you can also apply for the western half of the state, uh, Dakota Plains Legal Services. So it's a one-stop shop. You fill out one application, the system automatically routes you to the appropriate agency that can help you with your legal issue. So an immense time saver for both us and the, uh, the clients. Um, in addition to that, we populated it with a lot of information, especially regarding landlord-tenant laws. Um, a lot of infographs, a lot of videos, um, just basic, simple, two-minute little vignettes mm-hmm. about this is this issue, you know this, know this, and know that. Again, the idea is to empower our clients and our, our population so they know the law, they know what happens before they ever get into a situation. Simple things like get renter's insurance, read your lease. <laughs> actually, actually, read your, read lease. your lease. You should be surprised That sounds like basic advice, but that's an important advice. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, I mean, again, a big part of what we do is information. We also do a lot of community education events, a lot of outreach um, you know, we're in veterans' communities, we're in uh, older American communities, um, domestic violence places. But just even then, uh,
1: you know, it, that's got to be a huge uh, hurdle because uh, most people don't know who
4: you are, right? Unfor- unfortunately, you know, the, the program's been around for 43 years, mm-hmm. um, and it just has not done, a, you know, the previous administrations has just not, not, not done a good job of advertising, getting the word out there, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I've officially been executive director. It'll be three years. I came out as a consultant at first, and then mm-hmm. took over as executive director. So it'll be three years from me, April first, as director. And in those, a little three-year period, we've worked hard to really get the word out there. You what's, know? Your,
1: what's your client base? I mean, how many people do you serve in a, in a typical year?
4: Oh, Becca's gonna be mad at me. I forget the I forget the specific number. I do know in 2017 we doubled service numbers. We did it again in 2018, Wow. and we're up by over 900 in numbers this year. Um, I want to say we're just over 3,000, but I'm not, knowing me, I'm gonna misspeak. Um, yeah. I think last year was 2,600. I want to say so. Yeah,
1: we've had some we've had some help from the audience. Yeah, we've had my, <laughs> my, my trusty sidekick here is throwing me some numbers. 2,600 people—that's a lot of cases.
4: For it's a world. lot of cases. I'm really we have a. Cracking staff. Like we we really have a young, energetic, vibrant staff who's really out there looking to better. You um, got five lawyers
1: and how how many other staff? We have
4: staff, a total staff of fifteen, including myself. Um you know, um we have we have five attorneys, we have uh, a pro bono coordinator, um, who helps uh form clinics. I'm proud to say too, that's another area we've really improved upon. We've started some really fantastic clinics. Um, legal clinics here in the program uh, monthly clinics i'd love to talk about that in a little bit so you just show up i mean you, you just guys... show up yeah like um proud to say we you know through a special grant through the through, through the state um we were able to start uh in partnership with the code plains we created south dakota's only veterans clinic so mm, i see it's only full-time legal clinic offering services to veterans um we have a whole attorney who's dedicated to uh, any any issue regarding. uh I keep the definition of veteran very loose. I don't care if you've been honorably discharged, dishonorably (laughs) discharged. If you serve and you have a legal problem, come to East River and we'll we'll try to help you. Um, That's pretty cool.
1: So you've got um, your clinics sort of focus on the uh, various constituency groups or uh, that kind of thing?
4: I mean, mean, I'm a very data driven. I don't know what the word is, very data-driven in my decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a big part of what we do is I'm not looking just to offer services out there for anything to anybody. You know, here's a free lawyer, here's a free clinic, or here's a free this. You know, we want to look at what the demand of the community is, what uh, South Dakotans are looking for and need, and then we try to fill that void. So okay. we became aware very early on that one of the greatest unmet needs for veterans is a lack of legal services. So that's why we, we pursued this funding and started this. This uh, clinic, and it's very small right now, but it's very new, and we really want to grow it. I mean, I I foresee it in the future being a full-fledged, well-staffed, very populated legal clinic. Um, There's another clinic we're really proud about is the Alternative Dispute Resolution Clinic. I always like to say in the legal community, ADR, use the (laughs) acronym. Um, So...
1: Yeah, so that's...
4: So what, um, so what we do, this clinic provides free mediators for our client base, you know, in, in, uh, in civil matters. Right now, family law matters. Got it. Again...
1: To keep it out of court.
4: To keep it out of court. So we okay. save clients and opposing parties, attorneys' fees. We save court administration time. We save judges' time. And again, providing a simple need. Um, and our latest clinic that's actually just going to kick off next month is a forms clinic. So this is an unbelievable unbelievable huge unmet need in the state of south dakota so south dakota has been defined as a legal services desert meaning there's an extreme lack of resources mm-hmm. here um, the unified judicial system does have online forms with instruction books
2: forms uh, for F-O-R-M, court forms yep
4: um, but they unfortunately are pretty limited i mean these are really complicated things to draft and shepherd make sure they meet the requirements of the law make sure they're uniform and all at the same time, making sure that they're readable by a person filling this out. You know, there's not a lot of resources out there um, for someone to sit and help fill this form out. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been a really difficult thing to meet. So we've put our heads together, and really the best way to do it is to get bodies on the ground, get people in the door, and just sit and help them fill out the form. So we've recruited, um, you know, a lot of the private community, uh, the law, law students, uh, both um, with the several clinics that run out of there. Um, and so the idea is East River is going to open up its store on the third Thursday of every month, starting in February, um, from 3 to three to, 3 to 6.30. You can just come to East River. Which is where? Which is uh, 3.30. Fine. 335 North, uh, Main. North Main Street. <laughs> thank God I brought. Thank God I brought my trusty sidekick here. 335, 335 North Main Street, Suite 200. So we're right across the street from the, the Old Courthouse Museum, the big clock tower. Yep. So point your car towards the clock or walk towards the clock tower and you'll run right into us. Got it. Um, so we do that every from. We'll be starting doing that. So the idea is uh, attorneys will work with law students, and all this does is just we just sit and help people fill out these court forms. Wow. Um, You know, a huge need, you know, we, I can't tell you how many people just walk in our office every day just saying, I just need help filling out the form. I just need, and again, that's that access to justice. That's that empowering people to help themselves. You know, they just need a little guidance. And honestly, most of the times they just need a little reinsurance. They know Mm -hmm. what to do. They just need someone there to tell them, hey, you're doing the right thing. Right, because they don't, they just. Because it's a scary thing. You hear things like service. You hear things, you know, like Mm -hmm. order. You hear things like motion and it scares you, you know. As a lawyer, I'm like, eh. (laughs) heard it all before you know old hat but you know for someone who's in this community it can be a very scary thing you know there's a there's the belief that if i do something wrong like i could go to jail or pay a fine or you know and people really believe that so again education 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 trying to kind of demystify um the system and make it easier for people to understand that's what we're all about you know which uh
1: which leads us nicely into the census which is what we we came here to talk about yes um it's 2020, so every 10 years we have the census.
4: Where's my flying car?
1: They're very close. I saw something on CNN. Um, so, you know, most people think of the census as just, uh, they're going to count everybody, right? Yeah, We're going to find out how many people live in the metro.
4: I think people have a really a big misgiving of how important the census is. I, yeah. yeah.
1: But for you, it's particularly important because it has a direct uh, a, a one to one relationship to how much you get. For,
4: for, not just for me, but for my agency for federal funding for schools, for government, for um, for social social uh, for benefit for social welfare benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, direct direct uh, connect there. So um, you know, the more people who take the census and who are qualifying in these areas, who need daycare assistance, mm-hmm. who need food stamps, who need WIC, who need legal aid Mm -hmm. um you know um those that's more federal money coming into the state
1: and what's your what's your concern
4: the concern is that historically the census has been very inaccurate and the last census in particular had a lot of issues with it and i think we've all seen the news stories about this census and the kind of the politics behind it you know and I, i i'm not a political person i don't care about that what i care about is getting accurate numbers so we understand who is in south dakota so we have a fair shot of offering those services to those who need them. So, and, you and you're
1: making reference to the citizenship question or the uh, the citizenship citizenship, actually. correct?
4: Yeah. I mean, yeah. South Dakota is a large, large migratory rural worker program uh, program. That's no, not a program; a large population. Excuse me, reality, reality, and that's yeah. just the reality. Like these people are here. These people, I, 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 I don't want to get in the fight. Why they're here? I don't care why they're here. They're here, and the mm-hmm. reality is they're in our schools, um, they're in our system. They're paying taxes. Um, you know, they're doing work. You know, these people need to be counted. Um,
1: much of it in rural Much not,
4: of it in rural America.
1: Not downtown, too far, not just Morel. 100%. Right? You're talking about farm workers in the dairy industry, in the cheese industry. Correct. And, uh, the the, the uh, pork industry. There there are, There's a huge labor shortage in rural America. And well,
4: these people like, are filling that void. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Right, Yeah. And so, I mean, these people need to be counted. Um, you know, there's also, like, I think a lot of, you know, people have a misgivings of government. And, you know, this is, you know, or just are annoyed with it. You know, I don't want right. to spend the 5, 10, 15 minutes. And sit and talk to this person. I'm just going to pretend I'm not home, you know, so. I got the Netflix yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, like, leave me alone. But, um, you know, so it's important that we get accurate numbers. It's also important for our court system. You know, our yeah. court system is South Dakota do get federal money for, you know, child support issues and uh, drunk driving issues. Um, well, you and know, that, it, that, that is the basis for the amount of federal, really the, one of the primary basis bases for the amount of federal money that comes into a state. And it's so right. very and it's very important that that be it's accurate. it's
1: not just for, the court system is completely overworked. 100%. And that affects everybody.
4: 100%. I mean, these, these I, I have so much respect for the court, and I just want to shout out to all the court administrators out there. These are very hardworking people who don't make a lot of money, who are well overworked and just underappreciated. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, and this is, again, areas where our courts definitely need more assistance in this area, and the census is super important to that.
1: And so um, how are you guys getting involved with that?
4: Again, through a lot of education, you know, I'm big on that. You know, we're trying to get out there, spread the word. We've done a lot of social media pushes, just trying to educate people to get out there, be counted. Um, You know, it takes a little time, but it has a lot of importance. I mean, these are the numbers they're going to use for the 10 years. Regardless of what the reality is, I mean, does anyone really think... the 10-year, the, the, the 2010 census is a reflection of South Dakota today, especially like the Sioux Falls, Lincoln County area? No. No. And, <laughs> you know, and so. we were
1: talking about this earlier, that it, when we talked about the census in, in 2000, when I had a lot of experience with it in 2010, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of, there were changes in terms of uh, uh, reporting of racial diversity, um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there's a lot of confusion about ethnicity versus race and, and all of that, but our concern back then was really undercounting of the tribes. Uh, Native American people in South Dakota mm-hmm. and I think that in the last 20 years while that probably is still an issue the, the, the idea of the count in Sioux Falls itself has to be a different animal
4: uh, 100% I mean you know and again I, I think it transcends you know race and, and all those issues I mean I definitely think it's a class thing you, yes. know? Um, you know the today's generations are facing something that we never faced before I mean we see it every day. There's a amount of people. I mean, there's a new version of homelessness out there, and it's basically summed it up by couch surfing. Mm-hmm. You know, staying with family members. You know, the number of children enrolled in the Sioux Falls school district who are staying with family members, you know, that that are not their immediate family, is skyrocketed, especially right. in the last 10 years. Let alone families residing for other families, be it short term or you know, long term or whatever you know, these people have a tendency not to accurately report because, you know, a lot of times it's a, it's a lease issue. It's a violation of their lease mm-hmm. or a shame issue. They think or going
1: to go to jail because or, of something else. Right? Yeah, I don't
4: want to get, get my sister evicted because she's allowing me and my husband and my two kids to stay there, you know, while we find a new place together or... Or yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not here legally, you know, so I don't want to report or talk to a government worker. I mean, there's nothing you can say to a <laughs> census worker. You just don't that's answer gonna, the door. Yeah. How, oh, actually, just getting an accurate count of these people. that, Yeah. I mean, you're the government. Why would they trust you? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and that's what it is. So I, we, mean, I don't we, trust the government. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, we're you know we're trying to get out there to educate that yes, this is the government, but it's not going to affect you in any way, you know, other than benefit you, you know, getting an accurate count. I mean, mm-hmm. how can you solve any problem without first realizing the facts and what the problem is? And that's yeah. just what the census does.
1: Well, Makes it easier to ignore it, right? Hundred
4: percent, hundred percent. So if there's not a lot of, you know, if the census says there's not a lot of poor people in South Dakota, we then we know we've got to pay attention to those poor people. And, you know,
1: how about I mean, that? There aren't any poor people. Yeah, there.
4: and I think we all know that's actually not true at all. So, so, um,
1: um, so that, which also brings up the question that has come up now the last couple of cycles, and that is uh, whether or not we should uh, allow for the use of estimates and algorithms to uh, what many experts say is more accurately. Uh, take into account the, the number of people who are here without actually having a full head count. So you do this through Correct. very scientific means, which is sample counting and mm-hmm. and uh, actual predictive methods that work better than the attempt to count
4: every person. Yeah, you know, it's, we're so comfortable with algorithms you know on our social media and right. I mean, the stock market geez i mean that's one I think, yeah. more, I think more people would be concerned about the number of algorithms taking place on the stock market yeah, than your the retirement census. fund your, yeah, your retirement re, exactly fund. your retirement fund is you know trust me your retirement fund is being um garnered garnered by a lot of <laughs> algorithms managed managed uh, yeah so exactly. i mean you know they're, they're, but there's this fear that you know we're taking that actual headcount out and we're and we're putting you know, in the artificial intelligence scare, I guess, you know, and I, I, I you know, I maybe should share my personal opinion, but I, I think it's just the fact that algorithms are a lot cheaper, a lot more efficient and have a, an accurate, more accurate representation um, of actually who is where, you And know? it's only
1: gotten harder to count everybody. It's, it's only gotten harder. You know, it's, at some measure, it's an impossible task. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I mean, really, like, I mean, how, I mean, just, just the sheer logistics of it, like think about getting someone out to Beetle County or, you know, I mean, it, it's just a, such a challenge.
1: Again. So you have to hire thousands and thousands of people mm-hmm. and, he, and they can go and walk up and down the streets and do all this stuff or you can, you know, you can mail it in. But in the end, people who don't want to be seen
4: are not going yeah. to be seen. Right. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, think, and think how easy it is for you to hang up on a telemarketer, how easy it is for just not to answer the door or not talk well, to a it feels a good to hang up on a telemarketer. It does. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So again, you know, what accurate count are we getting? And, you know, we're talking also about billions and billions and billions of dollars here. Mm-hmm. Let's... Let's spend half the cost and let's build some, some of the nation's best schools. Yeah, and, and <laughs> in, in South
1: Dakota, we're particularly um, um, so, uh, vulnerable because we don't have that many people. So it's going to be easy to get just completely overwhelmed by small changes in Texas, California, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, we need every person
4: right.
1: to, get to, to get our cut so to speak.
4: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't care how, I mean, I honestly don't care how we get there. If you want to use right. an algorithm, I'm, I'm not preaching for any side anyway. If you want to use an algorithm, right. if you want to use a head count, what I'm preaching is an accurate count, like an actual representation of America. Yeah, and again, well, and
1: we're going to be using, we aren't going to be using an algorithm this time. We're going no. to be using the head count. So, uh, so at some at some measure, that's a, an argument for another decade. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's beginning, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's
4: underway. Yeah, it's starting, and I mean, I that's just you know, change. You know, Times move slow, you know. Change, change comes at a snail's pace. So, what can I do?
1: What can people do? I mean, it's that's it, the hard thing. Like, other than can fill out my form, what can I do?
4: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, with the census, that's true, you know. But you know, it's it's. I think it's again. I think a lot of it's the power of understanding the problem. I mean, again, I don't. and Why we're here and talking today is I don't think a lot of people recognize the importance of the census and what that ties into and what that means to your state. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, states suffer. You know, I i mean i I'll keep it in the reference of my uh world, the legal aid world, you know um, you know why the census is every ten years they do do um, smaller I estimates. Guess, well, yeah. estimates you know every two years yeah. um, you know and there was an estimate a couple of years ago, and there were legal aids hurt there were legal aids that lost millions of dollars because you know those estimates cut down you know the poor population or this and that there are states that lost. Millions of dollars in federal funding, not just in legal aid, but again with like WIC and public benefits, you know, as well as like federally subsidized programs. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the basis for the count for the federal how the federal government calculates how much money your state's going to get. So it's super vital. It's
1: also, and this won't change our political uh, um, calculus, but it will affect the makeup of Congress. You know, it changes yeah. the number of representatives in states
4: yeah, like it's super important to Minnesota right now because there's talk that Minnesota will be losing a, a and Iowa. member And Iowa, yeah, so I mean, it's super it's it's very important. It's your voice. it's it's the it's the metric in which we decide all things um as far as how things are going to be administered. and you know that no one likes to talk about you know administration and how we do things and this and that. like it's boring, right? but it doesn't mean it's not important. And so um you know, again, I don't care how it happens. You know, I'm not here to make a political speech. I just care about you know, let's get out there, let's get educated, let's let's yeah. participate, and let's get like an accurate representation of South Dakota. And when I'm here to people. make a political. Flip- no.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> the, uh, it is amazing. It's uh, it's it's just um, having having plumb that data. It's it's fascinating work, you know. So you gotta, you know, your 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 results are only as good as what's coming in. So uh, I. I can't wait to see the numbers. It's, I'm kind of geeky that way.
4: Yeah, I mean it's amazing how intricate the census is. I mean you can look county by county, city by city, you can track see the, by you, track. You can, yeah, you can see you know exactly you know what what's going on and, and who's in your town and how your town's shrunk or grown or what's happening. I mean I think we all know um, Sioux Falls is in the area is definitely 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 growing. Yeah, the story <laughs> so, it's going to tell about Sioux Falls,
1: I think, is remarkable because um, I'm, I'm going to pull these numbers out of my mm-hmm. head, but if you and, and some real census person some real demogra- demographer would get upset with me if i said this but if you took the percentage of the minority pop race population right non-white mm-hmm. and then you add that to the hispanic white right because hispanic is an ethnicity not a, race. not a race correct so but if you say hispanics plus racial minorities that number in sioux falls um uh in 2010 was just under 20%. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a little bit shocking to people because if you look at just the racial minority part of it, it's like 13, but there's a large Hispanic population. There's a huge. And so that changes what, and and that really is in terms of perception, a more accurate number. Well, that's only, the the, the town has grown, the city has grown by 30,000 since then.
4: If, yeah. if not more, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: right, somewhere thirty, forty thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, those are that's a lot of different kinds of people coming here. A lot of different kinds of um, people. I think that, that that racial and ethnic ethnic minority population and the mix is going to be fascinating to watch. Um, and then
4: one hundred percent. But even beyond that. Just, look just at the,
1: the, class, the class, poverty and income is going to be. 100
4: percent I mean I, you know the last projection they did two years ago they, they actually said poverty declined in Sioux Falls and I, I, I just don't believe that and I think we can look around our community and say that that is just not it's just not true <laughs> you know I, I don't I mean I think we can just see that you know and again that just shows you you know the failing of some of these systems they have but you know you're 100 percent right in the sense of things that are made, uh change dramatically I'll give you another one um, income of females compared to males of yeah. gen- along, along gender lines. I think you're going to see a huge impact in that area now. You know, I definitely think, and that's something again. In the last ten years, I think we've come leaps and bounds, and we need to see we need to see where we're at. And we really need to see how far we need to go. So the other
1: fascinating thing about the census that is always amazing to me. And I want to see how it plays out this time. Is the average age of the city is much younger than anybody would ever guess. It's people think it's an old city with a bunch of old rich people. Whatever, it's not. A lot of young people here in that post-college age mm-hmm. or post-high school age, yeah, they're looking for uh, opportunity. They're looking for uh, family life, whatever they're looking for. Yeah, but when things go wrong at that age, they can go really wrong. Yeah, right? huh. you can end up addicted. You can end up uh, just poor. You, you know, there's
4: just yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be some long dramatic story. I mean, it just no. could, it can literally just be hey, I had to have a surgery and I didn't have insurance car and crash. and now, the car crash and yeah. you know now I'm. $30,000, $50,000 in medical debt, and I'm 21 years old. This yep. is my life. Yeah, it's we amazing. See, again, we see that story at East River Legal Services once a week, probably more, you know, so...
1: People are getting thrown out of their houses and uh, collections. We getting evicted,
4: and people, and, yeah. you know, and I think we tend to have a view of, like, who's poor and who's living in these communities, and it's just not true, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think another important area in the census I want to touch is, you know, elderly poor. We're mm-hmm. seeing this becoming Absolutely. more and more and more of an issue. And again, talk about people that we don't think about that are suffering out there that we just don't, you know, doesn't fit our stereotype of poverty. Mm-hmm. We're talking about our parents, our grandparents, who worked their whole life, owned a house, had a retirement fund. Outlived their savings. Outlived their savings later in life or have to go to a nursing home and have mm-hmm. just, that's eaten away. I and mean, we all know the system now. You know, the money's got to go to the nursing home. you got to sell your house. They'll take everything, mm-hmm. you know. And people are living longer. So you're in a nursing home for 10, 12 years. That's a major, major, major investment that, quite frankly, I think maybe as a nation, have to have a conversation is that really attainable? Is that really affordable? You know. So again, census is so important. Let's find out who's living in poverty. Let's change our focus and our, our misgivings and our biases about what we think poverty is. Start having a real conversation that in 2020, poverty doesn't look like what poverty looked like in the 80s, um, in the 90s, and even you know in the early 2000s. It's a much it's a much changed game. You know. Well,
1: we've come through that. I mean, the, the, the reality of the Great Recession is that it, it turned the economic. I don't know, not the model, but it, it kind of dis- disrupted the entire economy. So you start to regrow, and it's a different economy today than it was 20 years ago.
4: Oh, for sure.
1: So how does that? Now we're getting a, a, like, you know, if the, the first census since the full recovery, right? Yeah. Because there was a census in 2010, but we had just gone into recession. Mm-hmm. It's hard to that uh, comparison of uh, economic demographics is going to be fascinating.
4: Thank oh, you. I think so. I think another area that we were super fascinated about that is like we may have recovered, but have we recovered fully? So one person having one job making X amount, I think mm-hmm. what we see now is a lot of people having, well, to make that amount, I have to have two jobs. Or, you know, I've had to make life decisions about not owning a home, or you know, only one 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 member of the family working so we don't get to pay for shake. There's another great number. No yeah. great number. Great number. It's, it's just I don't I mean, know. Where we're becoming a nation of renters. I mean that's just the reality. So.
1: Man, I can't wait to get them numbers. I and mean,
4: we could talk all day. So yeah. <laughs> but you want to
1: get people to sign up now. <laughs> we do. So we do partake of the census people and if you if you know people, just reach out. You know, if you're if you're involved in whatever community I mean, just be aware. Be, be proactive.
4: Yeah, instead of taking that five minutes to watch that YouTube cat video, go on to read about the census and educate yourself. So,
1: Man, i got a whole series of cat, my own cat videos up there. They're killer. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love yeah. a good cat video. I'm <laughs>
4: not disparaging cat videos.
0: Uh, ben Thompson,
1: he is the uh, Executive Director of the East River Legal Services. Uh, one more time, uh, how, do, how do I get a hold of you if I have any
4: needs? Uh, you can definitely check us out on the webpage uh, www.erlservices.org mm-hmm. or www.sdlawhelp.org. Uh, it has all our contact information. You can apply online and get a lot of valuable resources on how to reach us. So. Can I call you? Thank you can you call me. us. Uh, Use the phone? Oh. Uh, what? Oh, geez, You're going to me in go. trouble. Here we go. 320257. Two, two, three two, three two two yeah, it's taking an ugly it's turn. It's taking, taking an ugly <laughs> turn. I'm a horrible director. But you're at 335? I knew, you were, I knew you were going to ask. You can also email us for more information at uh, info at erlservices.org. And uh, so, you can
1: stop by at 335 North Main?
4: 335 North Main, Suite 200. That's so perfect. come on Right board. across from the clock tower.
1: Right. Uh, I want to thank uh, uh, East East River. Now, now I'm all thrown off. Full Circle Book Co-op, your conservative communist left-leaning libertarian bookstore and cafe where uh, we host this fine podcast for letting us be here, 123 West 10th Street. Uh, and, of course, uh, Northview Bait and Tackle, our sponsor over there on North Qantas Avenue. Go in there, talk to Matt. He's got your live bait, your dead tackle, your propane, propane accessories. U-Haul self-storage, high-end and cat food uh, that is our friends at Northview Bait and Tackle on North Qantas Avenue. Again, free peanuts and Coke to anyone who goes in there and says, I heard this about this place on the Patrick Lally Show podcast, and I want my peanuts and my Coke. And then I'll take care of you, all right? Well, actually, stop, will, but let's not get into that. Um, uh, again, uh, I want to thank my guests uh, in the first segment, uh, Lisa Verdeen and Clay Austin, uh, the uh, Winter, Carna- Winter Festival. Winter Fest is nice. this week. Sounds it, great. It's uh, this weekend and next weekend, all through the week. Uh, turn off for of that fat bike race. It's going to be a great time. Brent, thank you for being here.
4: Thanks for having us. Uh,
1: and we'll be back next time. Uh, I thank all of you for listening, and uh, enjoy a little rich show to take
0: you out. Bye-bye. And I can't tell what I need to have To have to show Everyone is for. No, no. take back all the things i know songs like that that i should have sung just like that